Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily, it's kind of the, the down period of the summer. It's, uh, as we call it in Canadian terms, cottage season. But joining us on this episode, new member of the coaching staff, but he's coached with John Tortorella before. It is Brad Shaw. Brad, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to be back coaching with uh, Torts again. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like a real uh, good reunion. Um, you know, he's, I have the utmost respect for him and how he runs the bench and runs the room and guides the team and uh, can't wait to get going again. What is it about the chemistry between uh, you and Torts that just works? Because, you know, sometimes an assistant coach or an associate coach can't be – you know, the, the, the same temperament as the head coach or really the roles are kind of different in, in what you do and how you communicate with the players. So why does it work so well with you and Torts? I think I fill the gaps in uh, for him. Uh, you know, he's very uh, black and white in his messaging. And I think there is some gray uh, within the game of hockey. And I think the guys need some of that explained. Um, so it kind of falls in into the assistant or associate coach's laps to kind of take care of that. But, uh, no, I, I love how, uh, how, uh, to the point he is, you know, we did things in Columbus in five years that I think are a direct result of how he coaches, you know, we won a game 10, nothing. We uh, had a 16 game winning streak. And, uh, as everybody knows, we beat Tampa four straight in the first round of the playoffs when, Nobody gave us a chance to, to win a period, basically. So uh, I think they are all results of how he coaches, how he lets players uh, fill in a little bit of the uh, the uh, sort of the, the 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 landscape, I guess. He doesn't try and paint the whole thing for them, and I think that freedom allows them to grow. I think it allows them to. Uh, test what works and what doesn't work and what's allowed and what probably isn't allowed. And I think that through that process, I think you get smart hockey players. I think you get a fantastic team-based group of athletes that are all pulling in the same direction. And uh, it's probably one of the biggest reasons I'm I'm really excited to be back uh, working with them. Not to mention the fact that he seems from just a, a temperament standpoint, really the whole, whole coaching staff does to fit the, the mold of the city of Philadelphia, doesn't it? Well, uh, he certainly does. I, I don't know <laughs> if I, I don't know if I consider myself as, uh, you know, as, as much, uh, in that mold of Philly, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring what I do best, uh, behind the bench and in the room and in my relationships with players. And, uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get them playing, uh, the best hockey possible in conjunction with the rest of the coaches. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I fit it, but uh, I am excited about the the uh, sort of the opportunity to work in such a sports uh, fanatical city. And I, I find that if there's four or five of them in the country, Boston is another one I would consider. Uh, Philly for me has always been a city that has been – ultra passionate about their sports, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, and also very, uh, opinion based. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, some of that, uh, 
you know, that, that the pressure that comes with playing in an environment with that, I think it, I think it helps our players get to their, uh, to their best hockey uh, quicker. I think it's just one more incentive. It's always more fun playing against playing in front of a fan base that gives a shit, right? Yeah. And that's, you can feel it. You come here. There's a tension in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's intimidating. And for us, it's, we've got to get the team playing to a point where we get that energy going every night and we get that passion, giving them something to cheer about. And, you know, it might be a bit of a process might not happen as quickly as we'd all like, but uh, we're going to get there. Um, you know, we're all going to try and find ways to, uh, you know, get there as soon as possible. And I uh, can't wait till we, till we do get to that threshold where we're a real legitimate uh, contending team again. And, uh, and just watching the fans go crazy for it. Uh, Brad, you played professionally for 20 years, essentially, from the early 80s all the way up to 99. When did you know that you wanted to get into coaching? It, was this something that later in your career started developing and said, hey, when, it, when it's all said and done here, you know, coaching is a way for me to stay in the game, still kind of feed the competitive juices, and I got something to give back to this game. How, how did that develop for you? Yeah, I think I think it was a process. I think I I got into a lot of different situations. I was a pretty good minor league player, uh, kind of a middle of the road to average NHL player, and uh, a lot of scenarios. You know, I was 25 minutes a night in the minors, and I was sometimes six or seven minutes a night sitting on an NHL bench. So, got to see the game from different perspectives, and got to play for lots of uh, different types of coaches. The last few years I played, I was a player assistant coach uh, for the Detroit Vipers of the IHL, which gave me a little bit of a taste of, you know, what it what it means to be coaching and, and trying to help lead a team. I uh, went to a few Roger Nielsen coaches clinics in the off season. And so I think it was over probably a five, six year period where I really got interested in trying to continue staying close to the game and probably knew the best way was to be uh, as a coach, you do kind of, you do have the highs and lows of the wins and losses. You don't uh, ride quite the roller coaster that players do, but it's probably the next closest thing. So, you know, it's kind of in my blood. It's been a long time in hockey. I don't know what I'd do without it. And uh, I can't wait to get going there in Philly. Uh, yeah, you work with Steve Ludzik, uh, Ludzi with the Detroit Vipers as well. Um, great man. So uh, th- over the coaching career, you, you made some stops uh, along the way in some some pretty cool cities and some pretty good hockey markets. You you played in Hartford. Um, you played in Binghamton, too, at the old Broom Arena, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, Broom County Veteran Memorial Arena. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a place. You could shoot from the blue line you felt like you were in the high slot i mean every shot blue line had a chance to go in that was a that was a tiny rink got called up played in the boston garden and it felt big compared to that little uh postage stamp of an ice surface so yeah that was almost four years in binghamton so that was uh you know it was uh sort of a tough time where you felt like you were ready to play and just could never really get a sniff and uh no, but I enjoyed my time. I, you know, I, I felt like I learned something every place I went and every scenario I was uh, exposed to. Um, Brad, you look at this team, this Flyers team that that you and Torts and 
and Rocky are going to be uh, coaching this season. You know, they're coming off a year where they had 61 points, 40 points out of a playoff berth. Dealt with a lot of injuries last year. And, you know, the structure defensively is something that I'm sure that John and you both have circled to attack head on come training camp. Uh, you know, when you look at the situation here, what's kind of the first steps to, to building that structure, building that defensive responsibility and game plan? Well, I think, I think it's uh, creating that identity and, and getting the players to embrace it. And I'm not sure there's a better coach, you know, to get that done, especially in a short term. Um, you know, I think there's certain habits, there's certain mindsets that we have to embrace. Um, I think we have to realize that being a better checking team doesn't just help you defensively. It helps you on the offense as well because you're not spending as much time defending. So uh, I, I think that, you know, individually, there's 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 always things to work on. Uh, I don't care who you are as a player. On the defensive side, uh, sometimes it's just a little bit more awareness and a little bit more attention to detail on the defensive habits. And so that's something that we'll hammer home. I know Torts has specific ways to play D-zone coverage and neutral zone and the forecheck and all the, all the different structures without the puck. Um, I think in general, you know, we've talked about it a little bit where we'd like to get the, the, the type of chance and the quality of chance a little bit more predictable for Carter Hart and whoever else is playing in net. So, Amen. and that's, that's a process, you know, that's a, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road and there's going to be some mistakes made and that's fine. Those are, those are going to happen. It's a game of mistakes. Uh, we're just going to try and minimize them, try and have them happen in areas of the ice or, uh, you know, at, at, at a less maybe frequent uh, cadence so that we don't pay a price for it. It's be the same way I run the penalty kill where we know we're going to give up shots and chances. We want to, we want to try and minimize them. We want to try and take away their first option, second, maybe even third option and, and get them a little bit disjointed, get them a little bit frustrated and a little bit out of sync. And I think good checking a uh, good defensive team play does that. And it doesn't mean you have to sit back. It's actually, you know, you know, from the D zone, from towards to the penalty kill with myself, it's going to be assertive. It's going to be aggressive. We want to be as decisive as we can in our checking so that we can get back on offense as soon as possible. Yeah. Cause the game's so much about that transition from defense to offense to stress your opponent. I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, Brad, but I talk about what you just said all the time about, about the predictability for a goaltender. And it's predictability and it's reliability, isn't it? Because when D-Zone breaks down, if that backdoor guy's not covered and you get touched up for three, I'm, I'm actually referring to a specific game a couple of years ago where there was three backdoor goals on Carter against Boston. And then he got beat high glove short side. And I go, and people were kind of giving it to him for that goal. And I go, if you got beat back door three times and you're not leaning, then you're not human <laughs> because, and you lean in the NHL, you're dead, right? They're, they're, they're too unforgiving of shooters, but predictability for a goaltender, predictability in an environment matters so much. Yeah. Well, they both go hand in hand. I think that, yep. you know, a, a hot goalie or a goalie that can, uh, maybe, uh, you know, make a couple saves that, that get the fans on their, their feet and, and players realize that it's, 
you know, almost an automatic if he doesn't make the save. I think that that works for the players building confidence and vice versa. I think players playing, like you said, uh, more consistently, more reliably in front of him is going to help him feel more comfortable than that. And you can't win without goaltending in this league. And we're going to work from the goaltender out uh, as far as how we're going to solve this. Um, you know, almost all of our defensive stats are, you know, very far from where we'd like to be as far as uh, top five or top 10 in the league and, and give ourselves a chance to compete in the playoffs. And, you know, that's, that's where we're trying to get this thing pointed uh, how soon and, and, you know, what, what the hoops look like that you have to jump through. Sometimes those are hard to predict, but um, you know, there's no doubt that it's going to happen in my mind uh, with torts leading the way. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to be uh, a part of that, uh, part of that journey. And, uh, you know, the big thing for me is to meet the guys. I'm really a relationships based coach and yeah, me, I've got to, I've got to get to know these guys. I've got to get to uh, be able to talk to them outside of the game of hockey. Uh, so that if I do have to give them shit or maybe lean on them a bit, they know it's coming, uh, for all the right reasons. And, uh, and solely because I, I know they can do better and we need them to do better. That's awesome. Um, let me ask you this last thing, and I'm going to let you go, get back to your summer. You know, one of the things with John Tortorella teams, and you're going to be a big part of this, is his ability to develop young players as a coach. You know, a lot of people assume, Brad, that, you know, a, a coach with a lot of tenure like Torts, I won't call him old, <laughs> but because he'd probably kick my ass, but a coach with a lot of tenure, the, the assumption a lot of times is, oh, they don't like young guys. They just want to play veterans. They don't develop young talent. They don't, they're dinosaur coaches, and that's bullshit when it comes to Torts. Because um, he's developed talent all throughout his entire career, from Tampa through Columbus. You know, a guy like Wawrinski real recently in Columbus. I'm sure you know, that's a guy that, you know, really likes to jump up in the play and and – probably could be frustrating for, you know, structural coaches at times, but you got to let him play because that's who he is. You know, when you look at it, developing talent and then getting the most out of guys that maybe have stagnated in their development a little bit, I think is a big element with this team. I, I yes, hundred percent agree. I think what he does well towards, uh, is there's, there's uh, without the puck, he demands a certain type of effort and a certain type of team play when we have the puck, there's a freedom there. And, you know, it's not a hundred percent obviously, and you have to make good decisions at the right times based on what's going on the ice. But, you know, Zach Wierenski is an example. He told him a game in uh, Winnipeg. He said, Hey Z, I want you to be uh, play like a Rover tonight. And uh, after a couple shifts, he turned around and he asked me, what's he mean by Rover? And I said, I'm not quite sure, but I think it means get up the ice, you know, uh, you know, get involved a little bit more offensively and see what your limits are there instead of sort of sitting back and, and playing cautious. And I think that allowing guys to test those limits, I think it allows them to see what, how far they can actually go. And then uh, also learning where maybe uh, too far is, you know, know what those limits are and recognize when you shouldn't be crossing them. And I think that that process, I think, is, is uh, essential uh, you know, went through that a little bit last year with Quinn Hughes. He's still a guy trying to find his best game as a defenseman, and he's a real different player again, you know. So I, I think every 
person has a different set of skills, a different uh, what that absolute finished product, uh, the best finished product looks like. I think the guys that are have a, a good vision of that uh, usually get the closest to it throughout their career. And I think some of the stuff we can do as coaches is possibly help fine tune some of that, uh, you know, what their best game looks like. And uh, that'll be a challenge. It's uh, another new set of athletes this year. Um, and so with that comes a lot of that uh, relationship building I talked about and, and just getting to know these guys, what they're good at and, and uh, what they need to work at in practice and what we need to get a little bit better on the day-to-day. It's, it's amazing the role of the defenseman in the NHL these days and hockey has changed so much because you have what I, what I would probably describe as a full-service defenseman, a guy who can join the rush, start a rush, finish a rush, uh, but you also have to be able to defend. It's, it's really amazing the evolution of playing defense in the NHL. It's no longer the big guy clearing the crease and just getting the puck up to the forwards and then sitting on the point for a big shot, is it? No, it's and it's why guys like Cam York are, are really desirable uh, properties right now. Like a guy that can move the puck and skate and doesn't have to just pass the puck out of the zone. You know, there was a time where the the Chris Prongers and the Al McInneses of the world were unbelievable passers, unreal, how they could pass it at the right time uh, to the right guy to create the biggest advantage possible. And I think a lot of what guys used to do with puck movement, uh, some of the elite players now, like the McCars of the world, are doing it with their feet. And I, I think uh, skaters first are important guys. You know, in Columbus with Torts, I had Seth Jones and Zach Gorinsky, two guys cool. that were really skaters first and could cover a lot of ice. Uh, that's a real blessing. And, you know, we're, we're going to work with the guys we have in Philly and, and, and fit them into how we want the game played uh, and and try and get it, get it all meshed together as soon as possible. And that, that's the real challenge is, is just getting guys on the same page. It really doesn't matter what the page is. You know, most of the NHL is pretty uh, homogenized now anyway. It's pretty generic. It's, you know, there's not a lot of different forechecks or neutral zones or, or other elements of the game. A lot of it is very copycat, and uh, it, it really boils down to who's getting their guys to play together uh, with a team-based mindset with the highest energy level possible and the highest uh, awareness level and when you can do that you usually get good results and uh, uh, real excited like I've said a few times now real excited to get this process going in Philly and uh, and just see how far we can take it I'll tell you what a player that played in the 80s that played for the Flyers is way ahead of his time Mark Howe would have been great in today's game the way he skated and, and passed the puck Absolutely. He would have been a perfect fit. Like he would have, I'm not sure what you'd have to pay him this in this uh, climate, but I'm always one of my favorite defensemen to watch uh, as I went through my career. I uh, loved how calm he was. Oh. Loved how easy he made the, the game uh, seem. Uh, you know, just uh, I, I, I couldn't, I, I tried to emulate a lot of the stuff that he did, never even came close. So, uh, I yeah I I he he's where he is in the Hall of Fame for a reason and uh, yeah just an absolute uh, gem of a defenseman. 
Yeah, he'll be in the building a lot too. He's uh, always at the Wells Fargo Center scouting for Detroit as well. So um, always, uh, he's a guy that I still have never seen take a slap shot. That's amazing. <laughs> Great wrist shot. Never needed to take that clapper from the point. Um, Brad, uh, what, what's next for you for the summer? When do you come to town? I'm actually uh, driving out of town right now. We were in uh, the last three days looking for a place to live and uh, heading back to my cottage. You, you, you did say it's cottage time. So yeah, I'm back there, got a lot of family coming in the next couple of weeks uh you know got some work to do as far as uh video prep and all that stuff and then i think i'll be in town september one to to, uh start getting to know them Uh, obviously can't go on the ice right away with them but uh can certainly uh start get to know them and and start building those relationships i talked about that uh become real uh beneficial down the road I'll tell you, I'm, it's crazy. I'm already counting down the days. It's hotter than hell here, as you know. I, I bring it on. Let's go. Um, Brett, I really appreciate the time. Looking forward to talking to you this season and stuff and uh, getting to pick your brain. I know people are going to get a lot out of this conversation, getting to know you, the Flyers fans as well. So I really appreciate the time. Safe travels. Enjoy the cottage, and we'll talk soon. All right, great. Thanks for having me on, Jason. I really enjoyed it. Thanks to Brad Shaw for taking the time to join us for this edition of Flyers Daily. We'll be back Monday. It'll be a Mondays with Meltzer. Also coming up next week, we're going to hear from Morgan Frost. He'll join the podcast. We have a conversation with Flyers player development coach Chris Stewart and also Tyson Forster on the way as well. But everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy this hot, 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 annoyingly hot weather. And we'll talk to you on Monday on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily.